today. We're on planetary health first, Mars next. I'm Michael, the host and producer, and I am super excited. I have a great uh, friend of mine, Doug Fritzma, who's super smart, super amazing, accomplished, and uh, most importantly, articulate in healthcare about what we need to be talking about to make actionable. And so if you look up his LinkedIn profile or however you do, um, he knows and breathes health informatics. He's currently the chief medical information or informatics officer at Health Universe. And we'll probably learn a little bit about that from our talk. And he's also the Datavant senior advisor. Um, and he's got a lot of experience uh, in, in healthcare, IT, I'm trying to go through his bio real quick, uh, like the such as as the president, former president and CEO of AMIA, which I'll just say for those. And I think you guys have heard of this organization called HHS, which they change their name every once in a while. I don't know if it was once ONC or whatever, but it's through them as the chief science officer, which is super cool. And then all, all the other things that you could tell us a little more, but that would be a whole show in itself. Doug, it's so good you're here. If you wanna just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before we dive into today's talk. Well, thank you, Michael. I, I'm delighted to be here and it'll be a fun conversation today. So Doug Fritzma, I was the chief science officer at ONC during Meaningful Use, was sort of responsible for uh, a lot of the technical work that needed to happen to get the adoption of electronic health records in this country. And so spent a lot of time sort of creating a data ecosystem that would allow data to be used and shared uh, across healthcare environments. Now I'm at Health Universe. It's a startup that I've, uh, I've um, working with, with Dan Karen. Um, our goal here is to really try to figure out a way to make uh, the application layer, if you will, within healthcare more accessible, to make it easier for us to use generative AI, ChatGPT, um, other machine learning models in a safe, effective, transparent, and validated way within healthcare. And so that's what my current work is, is to try to extend what we started at ONC and um, really start to try to make this data actionable in, in ways that are safe and uh, consistent with what we want to do here in healthcare. So glad to be here, Michael. Awesome. Well, we were in the green room talking a little bit about, wasn't about Microsoft or Apple, but it was about an operating system, the need for a health operating system. Can you help our audience know more about what that is and what that means and your thoughts? Well, you know, the, I, I was recently at a conference. I was at Vive a couple of um, months ago and, and um, the health conference as well. And, and you look around the, the, um, the exhibition hall and there's all of these organizations and companies and people that have really creative, innovative ideas about how to improve health and healthcare. But you realize that their distribution channels, the way in which they can get their ideas out there is pretty limited. You know, most of the access to these um, uh, clinical environments needs to go through an electronic health record at some point. And I don't believe that the electronic health record is the operating system um, for our healthcare environments. I, I think there needs to be things that allow us to create innovative apps, to have them work together and to use the data that's out there and do it in a way that is safe and that is uh, consistent with what we wanna to do to protect patients' privacy. And so 
you know, a lot of what we've been trying to do with Health Universe is figure out a way to streamline that interaction, make it easier for CIOs and CMIOs and hospitals to be able to deploy interesting ideas and not have to wait for those functions to be part of the electronic health record in a native format um, and allow that sort of to accelerate the both the access for innovators and the ability for folks that are really trying to to use the cutting edge technology have access to that within their their healthcare environments. And so should we get into generative AI? Because I would imagine is if you have this operating system, then you would maybe have what like is a sandbox that you can play more effectively in some of the stuff you're going to make happen, this innovation? Or am I on another tangent or on Mars? No, I mean, as you know, there's been a tremendous amount of talk right now about generative AI and how it's really going to be transformational. And, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives on generative AI and, and how it works. I mean, at, at a fundamental level, it's a predictive model that uses probability to determine what's the next word that's most likely to occur as you're sort of answering a question or as you're trying to sort of provide that particular context. But what's really interesting in, in, is to take a look at is that the, the context in which you ask those questions and, and the data that's used to, to sort of generate responses really does matter. And while there's a lot of kind of general purpose tools out there, um, it's really important that we have tools that have specific uh, applicability within healthcare, for example. I think the other thing that's really important is, is that training these models is um, needs to be done in, a, in an environment in which there's transparency, in which we can sort of see what works and what doesn't, and we can share that. I don't think we want to enter with generative AI kind of a, an era of black box. And we've seen that in some of the tools already, where uh, one week it seems to perform in one way and then a tweak is made and now it seems to operate in a different way. And I think we really need to have that sort of transparency about how things are trained and, and used. There are some initiatives that are going on right now in which people are trying to get together and share data, uh, particularly around sort of training of these models. But, you know, a really good model trained on a bunch of, you know, uh, Minnesota Norwegians who live in Rochester, Minnesota, for example, may, hey. not always, may not always be applicable to someone who lives in inner city Los Angeles. And it isn't to say that those aren't good models, but we just have to be understanding that the kind of prediction about what the next thing might be is going to be very different for someone who lives there than it is for, say, Maria Rodriguez, who's in inner city um, Los Angeles and has a very, very, very different sort of life experience. Well, that was helpful. Um, and I think we will definitely be going back to that. But you've heard it live on Planetary Health First, Mars Next, TEFCA. I think I said it right. Tell us all about TEFCA, what it is, why does it matter, and why should we talk about it? So we're going to hit all the high points about kind of what's going on right now. You know, we, a lot of people are talking about generative AI and things like that. TEFCA is a little bit more utilitarian, but equally important in terms of what it is trying to accomplish. TEFCA really started back in 21st Century Cures, the legislation that was passed probably seven, eight years ago. I can't re really remember. But it stands for the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement. And it's really an effort 
to, to create an information superhighway. And I know that's sort of overloaded term, but it's a way of getting all of these regional networks that are sharing information to use common frameworks and common standards for how they exchange information. And to do so in a way that is safe and effective and that uh, we have good authentication and authorization as part of that exchange. Right now, they've just got a few use cases and they just went live last month. There was a couple of um, announcements that were made out of uh, the Office of the National Coordinator. But I think over time, and particularly in 2024, it's going to be very interesting to watch this because this is an effort to sort of um, bring, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of connect all the dots, to put all of the regional roads and connect them with these um, highways that will allow them to sort of connect uh, with with each other. I think right now we're we're using older technology. I, I'm not sure that that's the right approach for us to do in long term, but I know that Mickey Tripathi is working really hard to move us beyond some of the current standards and to get us into a fire-based way of exchanging information and make that foundational within TEFCA as well. And so, you know, we've got all this data that's going to be used for treatment, payment, authorization, uh, and um, um, uh, clinical care. Um, and I think once we get once we get to the point where there's um, more of that data flowing back and forth, um, the hope is is that that's going to um, make it easier for patients to access care. It's going to be make it easier for payers and providers and patients to be able to get not just a record from the hospital up the street, but anytime they've been seen at any hospital in the country to be able to get those records and make those available. And so I think it's gonna be exciting to see where this goes, uh, tracking it pretty closely, because I think it's gonna have um, a profound effect on how we retrieve records and how that's all used for things like, even, th even things as uh, esoteric as, um, risk adjustment in Medicare Advantage uh, programs. That's Those are the kinds of things that TEFCA is gonna have kind of fundamental changes uh, around. Wow, I know that's a huge thing because like more than half of Medicare is Medicare Advantage plans. So that's gonna be huge. Hopefully that will really drive it. Maybe that will be one of the biggest drivers. So that's great. Um, let's, like you said earlier, kind of going through the the big topics that we're kind of covering, let's let's go to another one. It's the the founding levels that that are still low right now for companies. What where are you seeing? Like, tell us what that means and what you're thinking about that. Well, um, it, it it's not so much founding levels; it's funding levels. Yeah, excuse me, excuse me. I, I I miss yeah I mistyped yeah. and misspoke. I I get it. So. Yeah, the funding levels for the founders of startups and companies. So we're talking about funding, excuse me, cap, you know, capital yeah. raise, sorry. I, I think what we're seeing is a little bit of a pullback um, among VC and private equity around investments in um, health IT. Um, I think um, it, it worries me in some degree because I think there's a tremendous amount of really innovative and interesting ideas out there. It takes a lot of time mainly because there are such restricted distribution channels. Everything has to kind of get to the clinical environments and that's hard. It's hard to create integration. Hospitals move slowly. They tend to be risk adverse. And so um, a lot of funding levels are pretty low. That makes it a hard environment for folks that are in startups to be able to sort of be, be productive. But I still think that there are 
huge opportunities um, for folks. And um, I'm hopeful that you know things are going to level off. Maybe they'll increase a little bit right now. I, you and I are speaking right now. I'm not at J.P. Morgan. I think that's going to. I think at the end of this week, we're going to have a really much better sense for things as well. But we'll want to track that in 2024. It me just means that the bar is going to be higher for startups to be able to get, um, you know, annual uh, recurring revenue and to have to show uh, some degree of not necessarily profitability, but at least show some income that would demonstrate that they're kind of on the right track. It's just so challenging right now, given how fast things are moving. And I think that also, when things are moving really fast, people will tend to sort of step back and kind of wait for things to settle. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, I think over the course of the next couple of quarters. Um, but I think coming out of JP Morgan, we're gonna get a much better sense for kind of where that funding levels are for, for companies right now. So how can we accelerate innovation in healthcare? Okay, so you're going to leave with a big question, right? You know, try to try to cover the, the whole thing. And I and let me just let, let me try to pull it all together in terms of some of the things that we've talked about, right? We've got a ton of data that's out there. Oftentimes data is one of the things. Certainly it was one of the things that we felt was important at ONC that data was the the fuel that would drive a lot of innovation and right now we've got a lot of data that's out there um there are the information blocking rules there are other things like that that are really trying to reduce bad habits that people have about sharing information i think when it comes to data and it comes to sort of that competition and innovation we need to get to the point of what i call um um adversarial interoperability where hospitals and organizations are required to share information because it is for the patient's good, even if it may not be in the financial interest of the organization sharing that information. And I think that becomes really important. Some of the information blocking rules and things like that are sort of moving us in that direction from a regulatory perspective, but that's probably one of the first things. The second, I think, is we really need to kind of increase the distribution channels for innovative um, uh, products and services. And, it, and I think that goes back to this notion of that operating system isn't the electronic health record. It needs to be something that is different, that allows modularity and substitutability with different kinds of apps that are running on the internet and that are running on servers or other things like that in the cloud. We need to have the ability for all of those things to work on a common operating system, if you will, and not have have them all have to go through a particular um, uh, application. I mean, if you can imagine if Microsoft or Apple, rather than developing an application, rather than developing an operating system in which you could write an application that would run and you could distribute it, if everything had to be all within one um, environment. We get that to some degree in, in Android and within the iOS. But if we were to do that across all of healthcare, if that was our model, I think we would really sort of suffer from having a lot of innovation, having to kind of have the bottlenecks in there. And then I think the third thing is, is that we've got to um, continue to, to create uh, funding opportunities for VC and private equity. We need to continue to, to sort of focus on what the value is. Um, it's a complicated system that we have right now. And I think ultimately the biggest force for innovation is not the you know 5000 
some hospitals or the 500,000 primary care physicians or the millions of physicians and nurse practitioners and, and uh, clinical uh, healthcare providers. It's really going to be the patients. So, you know, if we had 320 or 330 million people brought into the healthcare environments and being and empowered to be first order participants in their care, I think that's what's going to really accelerate healthcare as well. So, you know, we can talk about the esoteric things like how do we exchange data in a common framework that allows us to, to work? How do we develop an operating system? How do we make sure that good things are funded and they can kind of bubble to the top uh, with things? But ultimately, I think we've got to figure out a way that patients are not the thing upon which the healthcare environment operates, but in fact, they're part of the system. They're actually first order participants in their care. And I think that probably will do more to accelerate innovation than just about anything else. Um, and you see a little bit of that out there, but I think it is, uh, it, it has not yet, I think, become the primary way in which we interact in the healthcare environments. And I, I hope that changes. Um, you know, I, I'm a patient too, and I really do think about my provider and the technology that they have and try to make sure that that's something that allows me to have more agency in the care that I receive. Yeah, I like that you use the word agency. I think people want to be engaged in their health care. And right now it's too siloed. It's the it's um, problematic from getting an appointment, needing a referral, just the, the not just the system, but the way that people can it's it, 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 so that to me is what like you said i can't say it enough how complicated it is right that you know uh, just just from a simple standpoint you know i'm not able to get uh when the doctor sees me because i don't have a certain diagnosis even though we all know it helped me a lot to work on my diet because I'm not part of that disease club, you know, with obesity or X, Y, Z, he can't even write me an order for a registered dietitian. And how can you exclude that as part of your health to be healthy? So that alone just blows me away, you know? And, and the challenge is, is that we want patients to have agency, but we don't want to burden them with being responsible for all of the decisions and the care and things like that. And I think right now we already do too much of that. You know, uh, patients have to be, you know, it, if you become seriously ill, that becomes a full-time job and it becomes something that is, you have to stay on top of all the time to be able to get the things that you want. And, you know, I'm a healthcare provider and, it's even hard for me to sometimes navigate the system. I can't imagine if I was sick or not feeling well and then still having to do that. And so we, we worry sometimes that health IT is gonna add additional burdens to patients. I don't believe that's gonna be mm -hmm. the case. I think that there's still gonna be opportunities to really figure out ways to, to use that to help patients. But fundamentally, that requires this different way of engaging with patients. It's not about the, the, the sickness industry, if you will. It's not about the clinics. It's not about the hospitals. It's not about the electronic health record. It's about having a basic ecosystem in which innovative apps can run and be accessible to patients, to providers, and others. And that it is 
location and uh, location independent. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be part of kind of the existing healthcare delivery system. It really should be part of a person's life, if you mm -hmm. will, their ability to sort of integrate that into everything that they do. So we could talk all about how um, there are regulatory and legal and other mm -hmm. things that, that stymie that. But I think ultimately, that's still the vision that I hold is that we have the ability to take healthcare and health IT out of the places in which people are sick and actually bring it to places in which they are well and try to keep them in those places. Mm -hmm. um, but it's going to take um, innovative approaches. It's going to take, you know, technology that's transparent and not, um, uh, you know, and that's validated and trusted and things like that. And, and it's going to require getting access to clinical environments and to patients in ways that are not tied to a specific electronic health record or to a specific kind of platform, if you will. Yeah, I, I like um, I like how you said it because right now we have, oh, virtual care or, oh, telehealth or, you, you know, or synchronized or async. No, it's just care, whether it's in a wall and how we do that. And I think you're right that I like how you clearly, it, it should be clear that health IT could actually help and not harm this. And so um, what, what, tell me a little bit, I think it, you know, I'd love to know, I'm sure our audience would love to know more about health universe because it sounds like you guys are doing some really cool stuff to do this, right? You're, you're trying to move the needle uh, forward on this, correct? Yeah. I mean, what we're trying to do in health universe is provide in some sense, almost like a store, an app store that's independent of a particular vendor or a particular um, uh, environment or operating system, if you like. It, the, the goal here is really to provide an environment in which people can um, create an app, deploy it safely and securely in, in a HIPAA compliant container, to have it accessible to patients and providers, regardless of sort of the integration that they might have within their electronic health record. And then to provide a community of people interested in using and developing these apps um, so that they can um, evaluate them, to share their experience, to show how they changed, say, an app or its installation or the data that it was used and improved the, the use of that. I'm old enough to remember when the American Medical Informatics Association or AMIA was actually, um, they, they used to have conferences in which the doctors would just sit up, set up their computers and the apps that they did. And it was a real kind of hacker environment, if you will, that people were, were excited and, and, um, and, and were, uh, I don't know, motivated to try these kind of new things. And although it was a good thing for us to sort of standardize data and to get people on electronic health records and things like that, I think in some sense we lost that innovative spark, if you will. And I think one of the things we want to do within Health Universe is to bring that back, to bring that excitement about using health information technology so that developers can create things that are interesting, get it out there, and have easy access to people that are interested in using new technology. And the same thing is to have the ability to, for someone who says, I have a real challenging problem in a rare disease community, and I'd love to activate that innovation 
um, developer community to help me solve that problem. So Health Universe, in addition to being sort of an uh, a marketplace where people can find and use interesting apps that people have developed from generative AI um, agents to other kinds of even simple calculators, um, to have an environment in which people can get access to that, but then also the, the folks that are trying to develop something that might be useful get access to the problems. They, they find out what the community needs, what they want, and then collectively can share their experience, can share what works and what doesn't, and do it in a way that's transparent so that people have some sense of trust and surety that there is, um, that, that people are doing the right things, that we, we don't have a black box, that we're really not sure what's underlying all of that. And I think there's a lot of different environments in which ChatGPT and generative AI are being used, but I think the environments within healthcare are unique. And I think we can lead the way in making sure that there is um, clear understanding of how things are trained, transparency about how those things are being used. You know, I, I'm a big fan and we are, we, we, we have been sort of um, promoting this as well is that many of the open source large language models and things like that, I think are eventually going to outperform. Large, the open source is not so much a business model as a, as a way of creating governance in which people can participate in that governance and understand how the technology is being um, developed so that there can't be arbitrary things that happen that you know a large language model can be fundamentally changed or pulled out in an open source environment because there is a kind of a collective energy that keeps and sustains it. So, you know, I think Health Universe is really a community where people can gather and talk about those things. It's an opportunity for developers to have access to a, a larger uh, marketplace. And it's for people who have challenging problems to sort of put that out there and say, listen, here's a, here's a problem that I'd like to, to um, solve and then have the community pick that up and figure out ways to sort of solve it. So. Um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that community then is supported by Health Universe because we can help integrate that into um, clinical environments. We can help provide the infrastructure to support the deployment of these things in the cloud, and we can make it easier for folks to communicate and talk with one another, share ideas. So it gets back, I think, to some of those early um, um, conferences in which people who were clinicians interested in technology would get together and, you know, talk about the exciting things that they've been able to develop on their app or their Newton or, you know, whatever it was at the time. So those, those are, I think, the dream that we have. And ultimately, for me, this represents sort of finishing work that was already started. We did a lot of work on developing the data layer and the data within ONC. And now I really want to try to figure out a way to create that innovative application layer where there is lots and lots of new ideas that can be brought to the forefront, bubble up to the top and, and be accessible to patients and patient care. That's awesome. And so if you would say, I guess what I'm gathering is the health universe is similar to like the homebrew kits, that the hackers that were, you know, just this creativity that is really, um, you know, creating a community and, and, and that, that actual open source collective is really accelerating innovation and uh, the applications. Um, so that that group, uh, 
that that health universe is is facilitating um is uh are there any sort of um strategic partnerships that that are helping from a clinical point uh health groups or health systems that are involved or is it more on the really on the uh, technical more on the developers tell us a little more about that ecosystem the the stakeholders well it's really both it's a two-sided marketplace as you can imagine so from a technology perspective if somebody has a GitHub repository in which they've developed something in Python or in Streamlit or, or, or something like that, we can actually determine all the dependencies. We can deploy it to the cloud and make it accessible to people to be able to execute. And one of the challenges in people that develop a lot of these apps and they publish the papers and they, they, allow, they, they, pro, they provide the code and the data is that the reproducibility is still really hard. It's, it takes a tremendous amount of time to be able to take one of these innovative apps and get it to run on your own machine. Health Universe makes that simple. It makes it a, a one-click deployment. It loads it up there, and now, now you've got a web interface that allows you to sort of access it. And so on the developer side of things, it makes it much easier for people to have, who have creative ideas to get them out there and have them accessible to a broader audience. But we're also talking to lots of folks that have unique challenges in the healthcare environments. The rare diseases community, for example, has a lot of really, really important problems that don't get a ton of attention because they're not so profitable, if you will, mm -hmm. for someone to develop specific things for that. Well, that becomes a, a, a great opportunity to bring those two groups together. Are there things we can help on the rare disease community? And then um, connect them to application developers that are really interested in making a difference or, or, um, or changing things, right? And so we've got people on sort of both sides of the fence that we're taking a look at. And I think the goal at the end of the day is, can we, can we harness all this innovative work that's happening in generative AI and chat GPT and other things like that, but do it in a way that's consistent with the values that we have within healthcare? that it's transparent, it's focused on improving patient care, that are, that's trying to solve hard problems that have lots and lots of complexity with, uh, with it in terms of the kind of medical care and medical care delivery. And so Health Universe is really not, is trying to kind of cut through all of that complexity and make it easy to deploy apps that people have developed, make it easy to connect with people who have problems or people who have solutions, get those two folks to talk with one another, and then create an environment in which we can sort of have almost the equivalent of nutrition labels on apps, if you will, mm -hmm. so that you know where where was it trained and who's deployed it and can I email them and figure out kind of what worked and what didn't. Those are the kinds of things that I think are going to be really important. And you know, I, I think there are a lot of folks that are doing that sort of work, but I think it takes people who understand healthcare because they have they have delivered patient care or they've worked within health IT for a period of time. I think it takes those kinds of folks to come together and help to solve these problems. I don't think you can kind of come in and say, well, you know, this really worked well in agriculture. I wonder if it might work in healthcare. And I think that's not, I think we need to have more, um, uh, I want to say sensitive, but maybe that's not the right word. I think we want things that are more uh, consistent with the values that we have in healthcare 
to be able to make those um, make those advances. And that's really what Health uh, Universe is all about: is how can we harness this technology, get people together to solve real problems, and do it in a way that is consistent with the values that we share in healthcare. Well, Doug, I'm so glad you're able to come on today. Well, it's been a delight. You know, Michael, I always, I mean, we could probably talk for another two hours if we wanted to, but um, I know that people won't listen to a podcast that long. <laughs> Unless it's a certain podcast, right? With, uh, you know, I guess anyway, um, maybe one day, but I don't know. Maybe um, one day. Yeah. Yes. But no, this is great. Uh, I've I've really appreciated that you've been able to come on and just the amount of knowledge you've um, you know shared with what you're doing that's so important to healthcare. Um, I mean, that's why we're here, Planetary Health First, Mars Next, to really move healthcare forward. You know, reimagine healthcare together, if you would. Well, let me just say, you know. Um, Planetary health, Mars next, you know, the health universe is actually bigger than that. So, you know, this is why this is a good podcast because health universe is aligned with all oh. the planetary visions. <laughs> that, geez, I just got it. Good, good. <laughs> well, we hope to see each other this either April or March. We can't tell everyone. It's going to be a small group of meetups. Hopefully we can do that in person and to move healthcare forward. Um, and, uh, anyway, uh, this has been good. We're going to wrap it up and friends, it has been a great journey today on planetary health first Mars next follow us for more on planetary health first Mars next until next time. Peace be with you.